0: Welcome to Beyond the Shelf. I'm Scott Curry with Chef's Best. We gather to talk about the trends in marketing, retail, and production, and food and beverage that are shaping the industry. We are joined today by entrepreneur Cindy Poise. Cindy is co-founder and CEO of Supernola, snackable clusters of thoughtfully selected organic superfoods, nuts, seeds, and spices. Prior to starting Supernola, Cindy was an associate in investment banking with MUFG in New York and also was an analyst for Fitch Ratings. Welcome to the podcast, Cindy having me, Scott. All right. So tell me a little bit about how you get started. Uh, you know, as is, is, is I think I understood, you weren't, you know, really involved in food and beverage industry, but you were grinding away, it um, looks like in the financial world. And next thing you know, you've, you've got a nice successful brand here of Supernova. So what led you to, to uh, start your company and, and, you know, become an entrepreneur and invent uh, a great nutritious snackable product?
1: Yeah, well, thank you, first of all. Um, so basically, growing up, I was always sick um, in and out of the doctor's offices and didn't know why, never kind of got a diagnosis with anything. So kind of just accepted this as, well, this is how I feel and this is how life is. Um, and everything kind of came to a head when I got the job um, at MUFG, which is a big Japanese bank. And the first day on the job, my boss was yelling at somebody for taking a sick day. And I was always, always sick. So that was kind of my um, reality check moment, I would say. Um, And I decided that then I needed to figure out what was wrong with me. Otherwise, I was going to get fired. So I started looking at the foods I was eating and how it was making me feel. And eventually went into some sort of elimination diet on my own to try to figure it out. Um, And I realized that although I am Italian and I love bread, cheese, and pasta, That's exactly what my body does not like. Um, So basically grains and dairy are the two huge no-nos for me. So I had to figure an entirely new way of eating out. Um, And then my problem was really snacking. You know, in banking, you're either chained to your desk for crazy long hours or on the road for days and days. And it's very intense and, you know, lots of hours. You need a really nutritious snack that you can have anytime, anywhere. And so with that in mind, I started throwing things together in the kitchen um, and naturally being a research analyst, I started researching all of these different types of ingredients. I got really into superfoods and different foods from South American cultures. And I just really wanted to make the best snack I could possibly make by including the best whole food ingredients and then also making it really delicious so that I wouldn't get tempted to, you know, go to the vending machine or get anything else. And I could stick to my diet really easily. And eventually that became supernova.
0: Wow. That, you know, they say, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. I guess the ire of a boss in the financial world is, uh, (laughs) is the ultimate motivator. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I I feel bad that you, uh, you know, had to maybe experience that to do it. But at the same time, that I think has led to some freedom for you as well as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So, um, so here you are. Um, and, and talk about how you got the company started um, and you, you have a partnership with Evolve and, and how you, you know, the decision process in doing that, because I imagine as a research analyst with a bank and a really nice boss, you were working probably 70 hours a week. So, um, you know, how did you get things started, um, you know, without having you know, that, that, again, that background of understanding, you know, manufacturing and packaging and distribution and everything. Um, tell us, tell us how you, you, you got the plane off the ground, if you will.
1: Yeah. I didn't know anything at all about food. Um, and so many times when I shared my snack with people, they would tell me that I needed to start selling it. And I just give them a a nervous laugh and say, Oh no, I'm not going to do that. You know, food really scared me, especially from a legal standpoint with fda and regulations and you know if somebody gets sick from your product it just really scared me um eventually i kind of got over that and i was like all right you know we'll start selling at farmers markets it'll be fun um and if you look into our instagram from way back supernola started out very different from what it is today and it has a pretty impressive evolution actually um so it kind of just happened that i was you know farmers markets and then I'm the kind of person that if I go into something I go all into it so after about two or three months I realized I was teaching myself everything Um, and people still ask me today well how do you how do you know all this stuff and it's amazing what you can learn on Google honestly Um, But the one thing I knew I didn't know was really about the industry Um, and I realized very quickly you need to know people you need to know the lingo and all of these things that I had you know, I covered energy and oil and gas companies. I had zero history to relate to it whatsoever. Um, so I started networking, um, and I knew I needed to find a partner to go into Supernola with me that, you know, had all the knowledge that I lacked. Um, and eventually, I met my business partner um, Frank. He spent about 20 years at the Hershey Company, um, and really, really connected. Really had a well-rounded uh, experience throughout. Um, His career in different parts of the industry. So he saw exactly where the market was going and, you know, fell in love with Supernola like I was already in love with it, Um, saw the vision. So we quickly came together really before we even knew each other um, and partnered up on making Supernola uh, really a commercially viable product. Hmm. And after a few months, uh, we were looking for co manufacturing. I had a small facility. Uh, on my own at the time but you know it wasn't enough to you know load into any major retailer at all so uh, we started looking for co-manufacturing and eventually found this company Gorilla goods who owned all of their manufacturing and had a really amazing size facility for where we were at Um, and long story short one thing led to another and we actually acquired the Gorilla goods business and all of the assets so frank and i created this uh, holding company called Evolve Brands, and then put the Supernola brand and the Gorilla Goods brand under Evolve Brands, uh, with the thought being that we'll share the facility, we'll share con- all the marketing. It's, the two brands share a lot of ingredients as well, so kind of a, a no-brainer from that aspect, um, and then we decided to really focus on the Supernola brand first to launch the product appropriately, so that led to, us to where we are today.
0: Uh, what a great, great strategic innovation along the way. Uh, and, and, you know, I think what, what's so interesting about your product and now I can understand and appreciate it based on y- your background, you know, and it, it, the empathy I feel for you that, you know, you were just getting sick all the time. Um, yeah. you've created this product that it checks every box and I want to read them. USDA organic, plant-based, gluten-free, paleo certified g m o free dairy free grain free peanut free vegan friendly um and it also includes a lot of product uh or a lot of ingredients that i can't even pronounce not because they're um they they're the opposite of, of being developed <laughs> in a lab but one is, exactly. is it McKee, McKee, McK-
1: McKee? Um, yeah so
0: so how, what was the the process like sourcing some of these ingredients, it's not like you're just taking a bunch of sugar and milk and mixing it together. You've got dragon fruit. You've got, I'm not even going to try again, Makai, um, you know, goji, which is a little bit more familiar. Well, uh, you know, how were how you able to find some of these products to just create this incredibly nutritious um product?
1: Yeah, it was really just, you know, people joke about getting lost in social media for hours. That's me on Google um, looking for different superfoods, <laughs> um, I just was searching like crazy for new exotic things. Looking at history, um, so different, you know, South American cultures. I got really obsessed with, um, and then seeing, you know, well, what kinds of fruits actually have the most antioxidants? You know, is it a goji berry? Is it acai? What's better? Um, and that's that mm. I'm constantly questioning: is how can I make something even better? Um, so, you know, we're constantly doing little things here and there to improve supernova as much as possible. Um, but it, it was just a, you know, I went through the rabbit hole for sure to find some of these ingredients and then, you know, figured out how I could put them together to make mm. them taste really delicious. Because that's the key thing is we wanted to make really healthy food really delicious so that it's a no brainer. Mm-hmm.
0: And then only a a, a trained research analyst could, could have, could have found how to do. Um, so for, for our listeners right now, I, I, I want to timestamp where we are. It's May 8th, um, 2020, a wonderful year so far. <laughs> and, um, so that's to say we don't, uh, we don't know yet if we're in the second inning or the ninth inning here of this COVID thing. States mm-hmm. are kind of thinking about reopening that that's kind of where we are. Um, I say that because if you're listening to this in two months, who knows where we are then? But I want to talk to you a little bit about how your strategy and your marketing strategy of of uh, navigating through this completely unexpected crisis that is a challenge for established brands, but I would imagine one that uh, you know is new to market as well. And I'm going to just make an assumption here as well that you know you probably get some success with the direct to consumer model yet. If, um, I know when I'm going into the food store, I'm just, I'm in and out right now. Right. I, I'm, I'm not trying new things. I'm not, um, looking for those kind of grab and go type items. You're just, you're grabbing the stuff that you need to get, you know, and, and you kind of get out of there. So how, how are you navigating things and evolving your strategy?
1: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head right there with you're, you're going into the grocery store and only getting what you what's on your list. You know you're kind of in stealth mode really to get in there and get out as quickly as possible so unfortunately uh you know we had just launched into some major retailers and as a new brand you know discovery is really important for that um but people aren't taking the time to discover so we have to kind of get creative and that really right now the only marketing avenue available to us is digital um so we had already redone our website and we're already putting in a lot of marketing dollars towards digital. So we're continuing to do that um, and really, you know, scrapping the plan that we have for the rest of the year because a lot of it was in-person in, par- in person consumer marketing events um, and doing sampling programs and things like that. So um, we've. Been trying to just get creative, and we're constantly talking to different partners to see, you know, what can we do? What are other people doing? How can we really get creative with this? Um, And how can we reach people? And people are behind their screens right now so much, so digital is really the best way to reach them. Um, But we're just, you know, we're trying to get creative and think of some different things outside of the box. And some of our um, agency partners have been really great at bringing us ideas. Um, So it's just you know, what can you do today? And it's crazy how quickly things are changing too, from a marketing standpoint. Um, you know, two weeks ago, we thought about things completely different than we're thinking about it today. How so? Well, I would say two weeks ago, we thought things were going to start looking up sooner, but now they just extended all those day at home orders. So, you know, we had planned on doing a bunch of video content Um once our state opened up, which was supposed to be, you know, a couple weeks ago, but now that's not happening. (laughs) Mm. So, you know, are we going to do, you know, our plan now is to just have me do a bunch of videos just from my cell phone for now or from my computer and get some really, you know, grassroots kind of content in the meantime until we can actually do, you know, the videos the way that we planned on doing it. Mm -hmm. So little Mm -hmm. things like that. But I think the key is that, you know, at the end of the day we're entrepreneurs and this isn't really anything new, you know, you started from nothing then you know what it's going to be like and you can never get too comfortable. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. You don't have the inertia built up with some of the bigger companies that can't make a, a quick pivot. Like you've, you've been able to do, and you can sell direct higher margins, build up a customer base and,
1: you know, mm-hmm.
0: hopefully, you know, be in a better position for, for a rising trend. Um so I want to take you back a little bit. So you're, you're at your desk, your lovely boss is, uh, <laughs> got you there at 9 PM and you're saying, I, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go ahead and start my own company. Looking back now, what do you wish that you had, uh, told that self back then? What, what, what lesson, um, did you, have you learned that you would tell, uh, you know, tell Cindy sitting there as she, Probably handed in a resignation letter at some point. What, what have you learned mm-hmm. that you would, you know, recommend any entrepreneur, whether it's a mantra or, or just a deeper lesson that you've learned?
1: Um, I will say, looking back, I mean, you learn every lesson in due time for a reason. So I don't know if <laughs> I change anything, but my wallet might change um, <laughs> what I spent money on in the beginning because. You know, I did think a lot of money into a lot of different things that knowing what I know now were completely pointless. Um, and the one key statistic that I think is important for everybody to know before they start a food business um, is actually from uh, Tara Johnson of the Food Finance Institute, who is also a member of our board. Um, she says that on average, it takes about $2 million in capital to launch a national CPG brand. And, you know i didn't I had no idea how much it would take you know when I started, uh, but that kind of puts it into perspective. It takes a lot to launch a national brand um and whether you do it a traditional route or another route, it's still gonna take a lot more capital than you think um, and you know, I definitely thought that I could finance this on my own in the beginning, but as soon as I quit my job, I realized I really couldn't do that, <laughs> so things changed. <laughs>
0: That's a, that's a big number. Two million. Um, I'm glad that you shared that. I'm not sure what I thought it would have been, but I would have, I don't know. You just hear the success stories and you hear about the bootstrapping mm-hmm. and, you know, you assume, oh, wow, they must've done it with 30 grand. And, um, but the costs, I'm sure just add up you mentioned at the beginning, legal, I'm sure that, you know, chipped oh, yeah. away at things. And then, you know, your marketing costs and, you know, need to, yeah. um, p- procurement before you actually have sales. So, yeah, that, that, and, that's a serious number.
1: And some, you know, products are inherently, you know, have higher margins than others. But for us, we're doing organic plant-based snacks and organic is more expensive still. Um, and, you know, that hasn't changed really. So how, you know, our margins are much different than say a popcorn company. Um, so, you know, some companies I'm sure can bootstrap from nothing, but for us with, how much of a commitment we have to our really high quality ingredients. It's become much more of a we need to scale in order to make it work instead of compromising on any of our values to make it work. So
0: yeah, you've cut no corners and and to do so would be, I mean, completely antithetical to your mission. So uh, exactly. I can see that. Let's talk about how folks can find you. Uh, you're at EatSupernola, that's n-o-l-a dot com. Uh, so Mm -hmm. supernola.com. you can learn more about these products there uh as well as uh build a purchase um and then how can folks find you on social media
1: yeah on instagram it's the same thing at eat supernola um and you can often see me on there as well and some videos coming up soon once i do them this weekend
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so social distance videos is uh you know, the, the creative approach now. Uh well I want to thank you very much for for joining us, Cindy. Um I'm glad that I got to learn your story. I wasn't aware of kind of some of those motivating factors and uh what, what what drove you. And, you know, hopefully there's some other folks that, you know, are trying to navigate their way through dietary challenges and and might um, you know find your product what they need to get through the day uh in a healthy, nutritious way as well. So um so thank you very much for joining. I appreciate it again. It's eatsupernola.com. Um, and thank you again, to Cindy. Best of luck.
1: Thanks so much, Scott.
0: Thank you for listening to Beyond the Shelf, presented by Chef's Best. For more podcast episodes from inside the ever-changing food and beverage industry, visit chefsbest.com.